Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means um, I have spent the last 24 hours, 48 hours or so, trying to think more and more about the Washington Commanders draft. What did they actually accomplish here? Uh, we've talked about they filled in gaps more than it went for home run swings. Um, but were those homes that were home run swings there as available as maybe we kind of think from the outside? And that's something that's going to be a little bit of an evolving thought here. I'm going to continue to ponder, continue to talk to some folks and see if I have a more definitive answer here over the next couple of days. Uh, I've already had a couple of podcasts on the draft. David Aldridge and I broke down what happened on Thursday with the Jahan Dotson pick and plus talks about Terry McLaurin. Sunday, I spoke with Brendan Darr from the Team 980, pick by pick, and we discussed Washington's process. Today, my conversation is with uh, my pal and colleague Nikki Jabala from the Washington Post. We talked a little bit more about the draft, put a bow on that, but also started to move the conversation forward. Nikki uh, has something up. She spoke with Curtis Samuel. Uh, that is up on the website, on the Washington Post site. But we talked about Curtis Samuel, connected it to the Jahan Dodson pick, connected it to the idea of filling in the gaps that a lot of what is happening here looks like Washington trying to uh, add pieces to the core they already have, that the Chase Youngs, the Curtis Samuels of the world are going to need to step up. Um, and that's kind of what these moves seem to be about. So it was a fun conversation with Nikki, as always. Uh, we also got into some, some some pet talk and some other randomness. So uh, I'm excited to play this one with you, for you guys in just a few moments here on the Standard Room Only podcast, which, of course, you can find on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. If you want to uh, follow me, of course, on Twitter, I'm at Ben Standig, and Nikki is at Nikki Jabvala, N-I-C-K-I-J-H-A-B. V-A-L-A. Uh, and of course, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic. Bunch of stories up during the draft. I have a new one up on Monday about uh, kind of where the depth chart is. And of course, more things to come here as the week goes on. Rookie minicamp is this weekend. Washington goes Thursday through Saturday. I will. Uh, the media will be out there on Friday. So we'll have some thoughts about that and what we see from some of these New guys, Jahan Dotson, Brian Robinson, and others uh, for sure. So we'll get to that. Um, one thing I did not discuss with Nikki that I kind of just meant to, um, they we, we touched on it briefly, I believe, but Washington announced today that they have signed 13 undrafted free agents. What's interesting to me about that, that's a fairly normal number in most years. But last year, there was only one, Jared Patterson. And the year before that, it was a, a, a tiny amount, like I think, I think about four. And this year, 13. Now, part of it may be that this is a, you know, a, a COVID draft, meaning because a player stayed in school the previous year, a deeper group this time. And we've heard about like how in rounds three through five, teams may be able to find starters, you know, more so than perhaps they felt in other years. But, and thus more players got pushed back and so on. I don't necessarily know that that is completely true. I've spoken to some people 
who said after about the round five situation, it peters out. Either way, Washington has signed a bunch of guys. And one thing I'm wondering is they've been so quiet in free agency. Is this sort of the approach going from on top of eight draft picks at bringing in even more rookies who are on these cheaper deals to fill in the back end of the roster rather than signing veterans to even what modest NFL contracts, which for what it's worth, they did today. They signed guard Trey Turner to a one-year $3 million contract uh, the, the, per, per source. Um, Trey Turner is going to come in and, and presumably, I would say he's probably the front runner now to be the starting right guard. He's a five-time pro bowler. Um, in the past, but he's on his fourth fourth team in four years. Nikki and I will talk more about that, so I don't want to step on that. But a, a guy who's picked, say, in the fourth round, his entire value of his contract is maybe around like $4.5 million, give or take, and here, Trey Turner, one year for three. So I am kind of wondering if there's if there's something to be said for that um, with Washington. Anyway, maybe I'll have a chance to ask Ron Rivera about this Uh on Friday when we're out there in Ashburn. So we'll see what else happens this week. I still expect them to sign some other veterans. Linebacker is the most obvious position out there. I have mentioned before guys like Alexander Johnson, who's with the Broncos, Joe Schobert, who's with the Steelers, AJ Klein, another one of these former Panthers who's out there. There's, there's several veteran linebackers out there. They need at least one, if not multiple linebackers, I would say, uh, plus, you know, just more depth in the secondary, another defensive tackle. I feel like the offense is kind of, I mean, not say they wouldn't add some other people, and I'm not saying it's, you know, an, an amazing, you know, the best offense in the league, but I'm just saying I could kind of see that they may be already largely set to a degree. But we'll we'll see what else happens here in the coming days for sure. Uh, let me not dilly-dally too much longer here, and I can't believe I just used the term dilly-dally, but what are you going to do? Um here we go, my conversation with Nikki Jabala from The Post, putting a bow on the draft, talking Curtis Samuel, the depth chart, Trey Turner, what that means, and more, here on the Standard Room Only Podcast. All right, joining me as promised, she is the uh, award-winning beat writer for The Washington Post, covering the Washington Commanders, who's giving me a look now because I said award-winning. I, you just won an award, like for writing, like recently. Oh, that was the first time I've ever won something. Yeah. Therefore, okay. it counts as an award-winning writer. Am I correct? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, she is uh, Nikki Javala. I appreciate the time. Uh, you, you had something up on Curtis Samuel today. That's why we wanted to talk to you. Plus, the draft just happened, so we haven't heard from you on that here. Uh, first and foremost, though, how, how are we doing? Do we three days of not going to pretend that like it's like heavy lifting or anything but it is like a lot of three days of like kind of like sitting around and uh all that how how did you how did you feel like you got you got by the 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 big old draft this year um the best drafts are done drafts um so we got through it um i don't mind the drafts I, i i shouldn't say that they're not my favorite events i but i don't I don't mind it as much as I guess some other people. It's a long three days though. It's a really long three days. Um, You get to a point at about, I would say it was around two o'clock on Saturday, the last day. And you're like, why is this still happening? Why is this still going on? There's still more names. Oh my God. We still got like a hundred people up, but you know, we got through it. 
they it's have good. eight new play, eight new drafted rookies, 13 undrafted rookies, so many new names and faces. And I, I always view the draft as the moment in time that I learn which new people I will be following on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh crap. I got to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so I think, I've, I think I've done that. Not the undrafted free agents. That's going to, they're going to have to earn their way into their Twitter rotation. But if you got drafted, you made the cut. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about your, your, well, actually let's just do that now. We don't have to go through the, the whole rigmarole of the draft, but I, and everybody's heard me, so I don't need to say this, but your take, we don't have to go through pick by pick. Just your broad takeaway, whatever it is, a theme of the draft, something you like, something that you question, what's your big takeaway from whatever they did? My big takeaway is, yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's not just for Washington. It's the entire draft. This one just didn't do much for me and no disrespect to all the players in the draft. I, you know, I do think there's quite a bit of talent in there. It's just, you know, given, given the state of this team now, both on and off the field, I, I would say no matter who they selected at 11, 16, you know, wherever they were going to draft that, I'm not sure there was any player in this group that could have really moved the needle and that made you feel like, oh, wow, this could, this could really put them over the edge. Um, and a lot of that, in my opinion, is because of the quarterbacks in the draft. Um, and it, it just kind of set the tone for the rest of the class. But even still, there were, I didn't really feel like there was that, um, you know, generational type talent and there very well could be i mean i i'm among those who whiff completely on justin herbert josh allen i mean i've i miss quite a bit so you know there there could be a number of stars in this year's class but just at this point um it didn't do much for me now as far as washington is concerned i i think they got good value in going from six picks to finishing with eight, you know, they said at the beginning, they wanted to, you know, get more picks in the middle rounds. They certainly did that. Um, you know, I like Jahan Dotson. I, I think he's polished receiver, skilled receiver. I don't know that I would have taken him at 16, but you could argue either way, you know, why would any of the other players available at that time? Why would they have been different? Fair. Um, the only, I guess the only real head scratcher to me was, um, and I, I think Brian Robinson Jr. is a very good player. And I think he could add a lot to this roster. It's again about the placement, taking him in the third round where they did, but you know, same deal. Is, is there a clear argument for taking somebody else at that spot? Probably not. May, I was kind of hoping they would take that linebacker, Leo Chanel, um, but you know, I, I, there, there's just not that, you know, that, that super intrigue factor with this year's class. Sure. I, I hear it. And you, you, you sort of touched on this and I had not mentioned it in my previous two podcasts I've done since the draft, but the, the idea of the stuff that's happening off the field, because I know like going into over the last couple, the, the two or so weeks coming into this, I did not have my same enthusiasm for the draft. And I think partly was because it's like, it's all, one, it is not a huge draft from a name perspective. And two, it's just like everything feels relatively small. <laughs> We're dealing with congressional statements and these investigations and, you know, these things at any minute. I mean, we were fortunate that we got by the draft without 
another uh, story dropping, but at the same point, it looms and it is sort of like, like it, it does seem it weighs on me a little bit because of that. And it does make yeah, sure right. we can debate should they have taken a running back or a tackle, whatever. It, it doesn't really right. matter in the grand scheme of the world. Right. I, I feel like if this team felt closer to being a real contender on the field, then this draft would have carried much more weight, certainly. I mean, but, you know, it's two losing seasons. Yes, they got to the playoffs in year one. There's, there is certainly some talent on these rosters. There are some really intriguing pieces to the roster. But, I mean, they're in the worst division in football, and they're probably, after all the moves the Eagles made, I'd say they're – I mean, the Giants are kind of tied for last place in terms of just projecting here, but, you know, it, it's hard to get up for that. Um, and I've only been covering the team for, you know, going on my third season. You know, many fans have been going through this for decades, you know, so it's, you know, I, I can imagine it, it wears on you if you're a fan. Um, so it's hard to get that, those, you know, it's hard to get hype every year when you just kind of see the same thing. Yeah. And, and like, like I said, I think the general consensus is it was some sort of a low ceiling, high floor draft. They went for experienced players. They, they, they passed on upside and we'll, we'll come back to the trade that they made as well. But clearly I think, and, and I asked Rivera about this after the, on day three was, did you make these moves to fill in the gap seemingly because you think that your actual roster is good enough to contend basically. And he said, effectively yes and part of the reason why i would imagine he thinks that is because of you you had a lot of guys last year whether it's chase young or offensive lineman or curtis samuel who you had a chance to talk to basically were non-factors or you know in chase young's case really wasn't that good until he got until he missed half the earth with the knee injury so if you think those guys are going to come back at a pretty good level then those are your i don't i don't want to sound like what the way i'm not trying to sell them but like this is how you can talk yourself into something more. You won seven games and all these things happen. Now, Curtis Samuel, let's get, let's go to that really quick. You wrote about him in, in Monday's Washington post. Um, what was the basis of that? What did he tell you um, the, about his situation? Yeah. So I just want to kind of catch up with him to see where, what he's up to. Cause I knew he was training down at Balmeritos in Miami and um, working alongside um, Terry McLaurin. They're super close, obviously. So we just we just had a short chat, um, just kind of catching up, seeing how he feels going into the season, especially at this point in the offseason. And he has been at the offseason workouts. Um, but he he said he's, you know, this is he feels like himself again. Um, and he he kind of said that at the end of last season. Um, he kind of felt like he was had really turned the corner with his injury. And he dealt with the, I guess it was around this time last year that he he suffered the groin injury and then he had surgery, which we learned about much later um, in June. Um, he also dealt with hamstring injury. He had the coronavirus during the start of camp. So he had quite a bit going on. Um, but he said he, he, he feels like himself again. He's running full speed, um, cutting the whole nine, no issues. He's not limited at all. Um, and then I, I, I talked to, um, people, Marito is trainer out there. Well, here, I'm going to, I'll cut, I'll cut you off there. Go read her story. Right. You don't have to give the, give the whole shop away. So right. go read about what he's been doing specifically. And you talk to his trainer and all that. Um, but let's tie it back into this thing. It feels like they were incredibly fixated on taking a wide receiver. Like, 
all the pre-draft discussion around them was about Drake London or some other receiver. I mean, it was the Kyle Hamilton part. Part of that, I think, was when you looked at the draft board at 11, it was like basically the receivers and Hamilton. It wasn't anything else that made a ton of sense. Yet, even when they traded down mm-hmm. at a point where it was definitely not a consensus, it wasn't like Jahan Dodson was definitely the next guy to go. They could have picked a number of players at the different positions and something could happen, right? So it feels like they were somewhat fixated on getting that receiver. But if Curtis Samuel is coming back and you have Terry McLaurin and you drafted De'Ami Brown, I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah, we could play the game of, well, every team needs 12 receivers these days, but I don't know that they did as much, but what do you think? Do you think that they are, or even they on some level sort of like, ah, we don't know what Curtis is. So we need to go get more or do they just said, screw it. We just want to get more no matter what. I feel like they were a little, maybe yeah. a tick fix too fixated. I think they need to get another receiver. I'm, I'm, I've never been of the mind that you need to get one, especially nowadays with these draft classes being so deep on receiving talent. I don't know that you need to get one in the first round, but at the same time, because the price of receivers are going up at a rapid rate, you know, this locks you into a rookie deal for four years and you can get that fifth year option, which is going to be much less. Well, no, it'll still be sort of an average, but you know, you get that fifth year option on a guy. Um, I think they needed to add to that room no matter what. You know, I could sure. argue one way or the other if they needed to go first or second, third round, whatever. But, you know, I thought they needed to add there. Um, I was surprised they did not address the secondary hire. Um, I felt like they were going offense in the first round, but, you know probably would have taken Kyle Hamilton, but you know, what do I know? No, no. Well, I mean, I think, I mean, like I said, I think these are all important points because yeah, not one, typically you can get these receivers in later rounds. Again, the whole thing with Terry McLaurin right now is he and three other guys from the 2019 class are extension eligible now because they were not first round picks. Neither was Tyree kill. Neither was Stefan Diggs, Devonte Adams, Chris Godwin, et cetera. So over and over again, you can get receivers uh, not in the first round. Uh, two, like, again, it's it's fun. I guarantee somebody is going to put up a list. Maybe it'll be you. I don't know. Somebody's going to put up a list that says, here's all their offensive weapons. And they're going to say Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, Brian Robinson, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Deami Brown, Cam you're, Sims. You have already created that list. Well, not on Twitter. Just, you know. Oh. My my, my 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 little bit of memory is still kicking in. Uh, plus Logan Thomas, whenever he gets back and whatever else. And everybody said, wow, look at all the weapons. Look what Scott Turner's going to be able to do. And that's all true. And injuries happen. So, you know, not all those guys will play every game. But that said, like, th- th- that is a lot of guys. And you are now paying some of them good money. You're about to pay Terry more. You invested in these picks. And on any given game, there's no feasible way you're getting all these people the ball in a reasonable amount of way relative to the investment. So that's why it is kind of like, did you need to spend a first and a third on two skill players when, uh, how do you, like, you can't conceivably get them all the ball this much. That That's sort of my concern beyond whether the individual players are good enough. Whereas, say, on defense, other than Landon Collins being gone, the entire starting defense is back. You mentioned the uh the secondary, uh, you know, they didn't do anything of note. They, they, they drafted Percy Butler in the fourth round. We'll see what he is. Mm-hmm. 
I think they still need another linebacker. Not though. Let me rephrase that. They do need another need, like, linebacker. Linebackers. <laughs> they, they need a, they need some. I don't know if they have any other than I don't know if they have a single reserve that you could say he could start if you had to. Um, and then yeah, the, right. the Buffalo nickel thing. At best, we're saying this kid from Louisiana is in the mix. Okay, well then who else is in the mix? Exactly. But they that's sort of my point of the fixation. Like that, did you really need to spend two of your three top picks on skill players? Right. When you kind of already had a few. Right. Yeah. No, the running back surprised me. He did. Um, you know, and I don't know if the thing is, you know, we'll just, in the, we're going to develop him and he's going to be, you know, at, at worst our number two back in a year or I don't know. Um, but I, I still, this is the thing I keep coming back to. And I keep coming back to quarterbacks because everything begins and ends with quarterbacks, whether sure. people agree or not, it's the truth. Um, but Carson Wentz, you know, Ron Rivera believes he's a long-term solution. He's going to be around for a long time. Well, if you really believe that, why does he still have him on essentially a one-year deal? Yes, he's under contract for three years, but they have decided to keep him on his full salary, which, you know, they remind us daily that, you know, has hindered their ability to do other deals because it eats up most of the cap, although Buffalo found a way. Um, and they haven't, you can lower the cap by moving money down the line. Now, if you feel a guy's a long-term solution, surely you shouldn't have any problem with that. But if you still want to hold that out, just in case he's not the, the full solution, you keep it as is because there's no, there's, they face no cap charge if he's cut after the season so i to yeah. me it, it's he's still you know whether you say it or not he is by contract sort of a rental so you know it, it, it's hard to view this team as being close or one or two pieces away or why did you spend on skill position versus this and blah 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 because you're still treating your quarterback like a bridge quarterback and perhaps he is, but those are the circumstances. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm obviously a total downer, man, I hope people weren't excited about this one. <laughs> I haven't, done, I haven't recorded, I haven't recorded my intro yet. I will share a note that this, that we're, we're doing this. No, um, don't let, don't let, don't tell them initially. God. No, no, no. I'm just saying, well, I'm just going to say we're, we're doing our usual self-deprecating off here where mm. we both downplay each other or what we think and say, uh, but my, my, I guess what I would say is that, uh, if, if he's a rental, if they even think he's a rental, then this is an unmitigated disaster. If he's gone after one year, absolute disaster because I, yeah, whatever, they didn't give up a first round pick, but they, they had to reshape the roster for this money. They gave away, they gave away two, two, two day, two picks in consecutive years. And, you know, they they made it all in, and it's going to be replayed over and over again. As he told me and he said to others, you may have questions, I don't. Well, right. okay, Ron, you said you have any questions, he's out. Move on the money. So that said, though, I'm okay with them not giving the money. I mean, I think it's overly, I think it's constantly drives me insane when, they, when, when he keeps saying, well, we had to readjust because of the money. Well, if you were trying to get Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or anybody else, it would have been the same thing. So you had to have planned whether it was plan A, B, C, D, or Q, 
one of the plans had to be if we get the quarterback with the money, then these things happen. So it can't be a surprise, but okay. I'm okay with them not giving them the money though. Like he still has those under contract for two more years. Let him prove it. I mean, he has gone through a bit. I don't need to reward Carson Wentz with extending him for his own. So I'm fine with letting it be, but I don't need to hear the whole, uh, we, we had to make 12 other things happen. Well, that's the point. You, you took this guy on. You could have had the Colts pay for it. I would say maybe more to that point. Um, uh, where's it going here? Oh, so the, uh, so all that said, like I said, I, I, I thought you'd take either the receiver or the running back high, but not both, but they did what they did. Mm-hmm. Here's my question for you. On the scale of uh, one to who killed JFK, from an unanswered question perspective, how, how, how interested are you in knowing whether they thought either Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, or maybe even Kyle Hamilton would be there at 16 when they traded down? That's a pretty big not scale. Really, I grant you one to really JFK assassination, but honestly, because I think all of them are quality players, you know, I, I, it'd be fine if you took any of them, you know, I, I, but none of them really moved the needle for me. So I don't, I'm not interested because I don't, I don't feel like any of them would have been that game changer type player. I think they're very, very good players. Don't get me wrong. I do. But for where this team is at, I don't view any of them as that. All right. Well, I guess in case of Hamilton, you know, if he's as interesting as people say, he's one of those guys that could be like, wow, look at the, look what this guy did. And Jamison Williams is viewed as the number one receiver. I don't think he made any sense for them only because, and this is, I guess, sort of my other point with this whole thing is that too many times it feels like because I don't want Ron Rivera to stop talking. That's good for us. But because he talks a lot and because he goes on different shows and he says different things and he tries to do sales pitches, I feel like he puts himself into a corner sometimes. So when you keep talking up that year three, we're going to take this leap. How can you possibly draft a player who may not play half the season? And even if he does come back, clearly won't be right. A hundred percent until the next year. That's totally fair. Especially after losing, after signing a receiver to a lucrative three-year deal and not having him for more than 80 snaps in a season because of injuries. Right. Um, all right, fair enough. I, last thing I'll just say on this and we can move off of this, but it's just whatever Jahan Dotson is, we'll see what he does as a player. They drafted him at his ceiling. I, I didn't see, as you may have heard, I pay attention to mock drafts. I didn't see any mock draft putting him I know, inside the top 20 barely let alone at 16. And then, you know, and sure you've done the same and checking around at best. I've heard people say, yeah, it's fine. Like, I mean, I've never, nobody was like, oh, that's a great value or anything. Mm-hmm. Just like last year with Jamin Davis, Jamin Davis, they drafted him at his ceiling. Forget the fact that year one was not so great at the ceiling. So they seem to be, they think they know what they want and they're just going to go get it. And when Martin Mayhew says you could have traded down, they could have traded down. I would like to know what that deal was because I'm going to guess I would probably have said trade down and maybe you either get Dotson or if you don't, that's fine. Go then sure. go get other people. You didn't have to take the receivers is my basic point and do it at his ceiling. Right. That's fair. Great. I got the, I got the it's fair endorsement. I'm going to put that <laughs> on my bumper sticker and we're going to move forward here. Um, I, my thing is I, I feel like they're always going for that value pick. They're always trying to find their Logan Thomas in every class, be a free agency draft, whatever, you know, who can we mold into like the next really good player? And like, you know, 
they have found some, you know, value players in a lot of this, but sure. at, at some time, you know, at some point you, you just got to get the player that makes sense. You know? Sure. And look, I mean, Jahan Dotson seems like a pretty interesting player. His highlights are fun. I, I, you know, I, I've not heard anybody go, boy, that guy stinks. So, um, could be a good player. I just like, I like to focus on the strategy of things. Um, all right. Anyway, so today we have some news. They actually signed a player. They, they signed guard Trey Turner. They, they, they lost one five-time pro bowler. They brought in another one. Great. Uh, I'm not going to make you guess what team he used to play for. I'm not going to make anybody guess this because you already know. know. <laughs> Everybody knows this guy. Yes. Carolina. That's three outside free agents. They've signed all three previously played with Rivera. I mean, they have signed zero players who have never played for this team or Carolina before under him. It's un, it's off the charts crazy. You heard that most of the coaching staff worked with Ron Rivera at Carolina too. I've heard, I've heard rumors of that. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. It's uh, it's something um, that said like, okay, fine. This is what, you know, he told us at the owner's meeting that they wouldn't sign anybody else basically in free agency till post draft that held true. Now they did it like basically the day after the draft. Sure. I mean, why not? He, I guess he's now probably the favorite to start at right guard over West Schweitzer. Either way, they, yeah. you know, whatever. They got three guys to mix yeah. and match with. He is only 28 still. I mean, he, he's been in the league for quite some time. Five Pro Bowls out of the six seasons he played in Carolina. I do think there is – I don't mind that signing. You know, I really don't, especially yeah. at right guard. That's where he's played all but four games. You know, I think it was in 2016 where he played a stretch of, you know, four games at right tackle. Um, I think it's a good signing, honestly. Um, and I, I, I do assume he's going to start there. You know, I know Ron has touted up a, you know, a competition and maybe they rotate in camp, but listen, you got a guy with a hundred and something starts five pro bowls. He's 28. He started and played all 17 games for Pittsburgh last year. To me, he's a that's that's your guy yeah and, um, and you know schweitzer just like cornelius lucas has shown he can come in and play and give you and sure. not give you a big drop off so you know i th- and schweitzer can play both positions too in center and guard so you know yeah. i mean the one th- this offensive line i've said this before like it's the first time since 2010 they don't have an obvious stud but they're pretty solid across the line they've got some good depth they drafted a kid in chris paul so um the offensive line presumably is probably said at this point i think sadiq charles maybe now maybe 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 they only have three tackles so he's essentially the fourth guy which is whatever so okay so they're good there so but they got other needs still i'm going to name some of the needs i got you tell me what's most important effectively we don't know who the 11th defensive starter is whether that's a third linebacker or the buffalo nickel and yeah they play one more than the other but at least in first down second down you need the third linebacker typically yeah. yeah linebacker depth in general they just non-existent they could probably use another cornerback i would say and then they need another sideline reporter because mike silver is gone those are the four things i wrote down as needs which of those are most important do you think um <laughs> no linebacker uh, buffalo nickel whoever that's going to be be it a linebacker safety whoever in the order you have it i would put it um, most important though, I would throw in that. I do think they need, um, I do think they need an, another safety in there somehow, even if just for competition in camp, I mean, you know, it, it, 
aside from Cam Carl and Bobby McCain, your other safeties on the roster are Troy Apke, Garrett. He's a cornerback, technically. Oh, well, yeah, but whatever, still. I mean, okay, all the more reason you need another safety because then it's Derek Forrest and Percy Butler are your only other safeties on the roster outside of Cam Curl and Bobby McCain. So you the, need. There's also a pro Bowl practice squad player, Jeremy Reeves, who every year, myself included, like, okay, let's go for this guy. Then he goes to the practice squad and he doesn't really play. And then the next year we're like, wait, what about that guy? But yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm with you. It'll be curious to see. I mean, there are still a bunch of guys in free agency. Turner is the first guy I would imagine they're going to sign others. There's linebackers out there for sure. Um, is it weird though? Like if I told you four months ago that basically every single st- play, like they wouldn't have adjusted anything on defense other than Landon Collins is gone that you would say in terms of starting up, would you've said, boy, that's kind of weird at this point. Cause I would. Um, yeah, I think it's all entirely weird. I thought there would, you know, when he f- finished the season, like they did, I thought there would be maybe a couple coaching changes, even if it's just, you know, positional coaches, um, that didn't happen. Um, there are virtually no changes in the bulk of their free agent resignings were, were all guys that were, were here before. Um, and the guys they let go, I thought were, you know, you knew Brandon Sheriff had it, you know, he was going to go, but Eric Flowers, I, you know, that that's tough. But, you know, cap reasons, whatever. I, I still feel like there's a way to rework things. Matt Ioannidis. You know, those are those are tough ones to let go of. So yeah, I, I'm surprised by a lot of the things they did this off season, especially given you know kind of the narrative coming in that they were going to take a big leap, that they were going to be more aggressive. And it, I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah, if I imagine if I told you that the two starting guards would be presumably Drew Rosenhaus' clients, but neither would be Eric Flowers. You'd be like, wait, what? How is that possible? Well, I would believe that because how many clients does Drew Rosenhaus have? Like, well, he's got a few, but, you know, yeah. just saying two guards, what, you know, and one of them is not that guy. That would be, right. that would be, that would be odd. Um, pers- so when we mentioned the, uh, the, the Buffalo nickel thing. Okay. The guy that played it last year wasn't bad. So what percentage chance do you give it that Landon Collins would actually come back? This has been, mentioned here and there by various people what percentage chance would you give that he would actually come back i'd give it 40 to 50 percent wow okay no it's it's all dependent on whether he's willing to take less money you know and 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 he does not owe here's the thing i i don't it's it's his prerogative whether he wants to take less money i i've never quite understood the the backlash players face when they refuse to take pay cuts like i'd be annoyed if i had to take a pay cut too why would well I and this that? is why for me it's like 10 percent chance he comes back and 10 percent is only so if i say one percent i don't want to be yeah. viewed as being like complete what you know over the top the right. dude wouldn't even be called allowed himself to be called a linebacker i can't comprehend he's gonna allow the pride to to go away so much He'll take an eighty yeah. percent pay cut to come back and play for the same team. Maybe, I, I, but if it's the only offer he has, you take it. But you know, would he also be willing to take less to go somewhere else? Yeah, well, taking he'll take well, less because he he'll have no choice. But it just you know, it's one thing to take sure. three million a year to go play for Denver, just yeah. to name your team, versus uh, three million to come back here when you were going to make sure whatever. 
all right we'll we'll move on from from, from that one uh at ryan t028 on twitter he uh you you posted yesterday a um a gif whatever a video of your dog joey coming up to you and... it was louie wait who was it it was louie was it mm-hmm. okay well, but I'll, it's okay. I get their names confused too. No, it's not a name confusion. It was a color confusion. I thought it was. No, it was Louie. Okay. Well, either way, your dog mm-hmm. came up to you and was like, you know, kind of like, hey, uh, mom, I'm, you know, stop paying attention yeah. to work, focus on me. And uh, at Ryan T028 tweeted at you, you have to set up a play date with Ben's cat, Lenny. So here's my question Which play date would you rather watch? A play date of Lenny, Joey, and Louie, or. Carson Wentz, Taylor Heineke, and Sam Howell. Going. Well, I get paid to watch the quarterbacks. Well, I get paid to watch that. No, I'm kidding. Um, well, you I don't really hear from my dogs in that scenario because while they're Joey's. You know, he's he's got a little extra pandemic weight, so he's about you know seventy two or so. Joey's uh, Louis a good seventy five, but I think the cat would, I think he'd scare him. I think it'd be a problem. Oh, I'm a little worried about my guys. I'm protective. Yeah, trust me, Lenny's under the bed the whole time, so that's not a worry. Um, but yeah, either way, this was a, an attempt to say to, to to delve into the the quarterback thing because everybody wants to make a big deal about you know, whether Carson Wentz is going to be hurt by Sam Howell's presence after what happened in Philadelphia, where he presumably was. Um... Ron told him he was going to draft a quarterback. I mean, we, and they need a third quarterback. They've, they've cycled through how many quarterbacks this team needs three quarterbacks on the roster. Um, but I, I do think it is a fair discussion as to kind of what bringing on Howell means for once his future again we go back to that contract where he's you know he's essentially guaranteed one one year here and then everything else is fair game now you bring in you're telling me that yes okay, i'm showing her the I, I'm, I'm now obsessed with this day i'm looking at this video the, the her dogs are very distinct car i know nobody cares at this point but like the dogs are, it's inter- okay whatever i I'm telling you, in this thing, it looks like. Can you see that? Oh, that is the other dog. <laughs> it's because it, it, the saturation get, was. By, by, was by the way, yeah. By the way, this is where I should mention. You know, when you have a moment, people go r- drop a rating and a review on iTunes because obviously this is the content you're here for. Yeah. Um, but I mean, well, honestly, um. All right. Well, whatever. Well, I'll I'll check my eyes later. That's this is like the equivalent of that of that. What color is his dress thing? I'm telling you. Looking at it's it, on this, it's lacking saturation. But all right. Um, all right. So I don't think I look. I I refuse to make this a, a thing. This is not a thing. If Carson Wentz tells us a thing, it's a thing. Until then, it's not. It's a fifth round pick. This is irrelevant. I do think it's notable that Rivera told us without being prompted that he had the conversation because clearly. Either A, they knew somebody would ask the question, or B, he's aware of that it's in the context of the Carson Wentz experience, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, I have zero problem with him taking a quarterback. In fact, I think it's something you should do every year. And this guy, 
10 minutes ago was being discussed as a potential first round pick. I even went back and looked through Twitter not long before the draft people of note tweeted, don't be surprised if Sam Howell goes in the first round and then it didn't happen. So um, I have no problem them taking a shot at this guy. If it's nothing, whatever, but um, totally good. And I'm not worrying about the Carson Wentz aspect. Nobody should. Uh, And if, if it, if it blows up in my in, in my face, you're welcome to heckle me, but I don't buy it's a thing. Well, I mean, again, if he's worried about, um, you know, fifth round quarterback, you got bigger issues with your starting quarterback than that. Um, but, you know, I do think it, it does create interest for the future, just not the season. A hundred percent. Yeah, I, it's a totally good thing. Um, last thing for me, and then you can throw in your own two cents or leave okay at the end of the day for all the talk about the draft none of this matters right it's all it all matters to the dudes who are already there chase young has to actually play well this year montez sweat has to play well this year curtis himmel just has to play this year carson wentz has to do his his thing you know obviously injuries are going to happen you just have to hope that you don't get insane amount of injuries and frankly ron rivera has to do his thing as the co- along with the coaching staff but every, all the talk we just had for the last two months and especially the way they attack the draft it's all supplemental the all the, the the main parts are the stuff they already had and we can go back to that focus that would be my ultimate sort of takeaway from this draft yeah i mean i you you look at the draft as a whole and the guys they take they took, I, you know, none of them you can say are guaranteed absolutely must start day one and they should given their draft status, but you don't look at them as, as that type of talent, you know, had they, had they drafted a quarterback in the first round? Yes. Um, but they didn't. So, you know, this is, this feels more like a developmental type of draft. I would expect to see um, Jahan Dotson used quite a bit though, as a first round pick and he should be. Um, but the team is still very much built around a, a few select players. And this year being year three after two losing seasons, to me, the, the most amount of pressure is on Ron Rivera. Um, you know, if, if it's a third losing season, a lot of not so pleasant questions come up, um, you know, and, and, and then what? But, you know, so so to me, it it all kind of centers on him, his staff, what direction they take this team. Um, Yes, the players are out on the field, but, you know, he's he's the one calling the shots. So. All all true. All right. Anything you need to get out to get off your chest? Any other big takes, hot takes, light takes, irrelevant takes takes have nothing to do with this team? Anything anything else you got? Thinking about getting Chinese food tonight. What's the, the uh, what, between Chinese what, food and Indian food? What's the go-to Chinese food order? Mm, it's usually chicken and broccoli, which is just meh. Um, so I'm kind of leaning toward Indian food at this point, but it's only 6.15. You know, a lot can change between now and my dinner time. So, you know, well, I got my sources at that point. Chicken and broccoli me is a reasonable call. When it comes to when it comes to me going out to eat, I can be like Ron Rivera and the Panthers. I tend to lean back on what I'm familiar with. I don't. I'm not a much. I'm not much for experimental. I just chicken and broccoli more likely than. Ooh, I've never heard that before. Wow. All right. So you're not a, an experimental foodie. Noted. You're more of a 2017 Carolina Panther foodie. Yeah. Like if, if, I'm sure if you track the last four things I've eaten out at a restaurant. 
it's just like signing the Carolina Panthers. I've had them all before. I'm a, I'm a, I'm aware of what it is. Wow. There you go. Do you do you also like to go six and ten every year? Or... <laughs> Sorry. Well, you know, it depends how you view my life. You, I might be doing. I may have been doing that more years than I like to admit. So, <laughs> who can say? Uh, at Nikki Jabala on Twitter, go read her story on Curtis Samuel beyond what he had to say, what he's been up to. I appreciate the time as always, and uh, we will talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right. Many thanks to Nikki Jabala for her time. Thanks to everybody here for checking out the podcast. Again, make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you do your podcasting and subscribe to The Athletic. Just click on one of my articles and you should be able to get, I believe the deal should be there a dollar a month uh, for six months. I believe it's still a thing. So check that out as well. Uh, That is it for now, though. We'll be back this week. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time. See ya. Thank you.